The early months of a baby's life consist of crucial neurodevelopmental windows that lay the groundwork for later outcomes. So we're on a mission to help parents and professionals look at development through a holistic lens. By creating homes that promote connection through play, we can make a huge difference in our little ones for years to come. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Nurture podcast. I'm Macy Bassler. I'm a physical therapist and certified breastfeeding specialist. I'm here again finally after having a very long bout of laryngitis. Um, and I'm here to bring you another highly disorganized episode. So today I thought that I would share a few little tips that I end up talking with families a lot about um, when I'm working in the homes with, with babies especially. These are especially especially relevant to little teeny ones um, when working on their motor skills and motor development. And so I thought I'd talk about a few little like home modifications that you can do in order to kind of just help them along with certain milestones and kind of um, having opportunities to practice, you know, certain muscle groups and, you know, coordination activities and that kind of thing to meet those milestones faster and be able to ultimately, um, you know, participate better in playtime or whatever routine it is that, you know, is a struggle or that they're wanting to participate in. Um, whether that's sitting or walking or um, anything in between. So with that, I will I will dive into the first one now. And the first big thing that I like to tell families to um, kind of have around on hand is a couch cushion. And ideally, this is um, one that comes off, of course, in a perfect world, everybody would have a nugget. I don't know if everyone is familiar with what a nugget is, but there are those awesome, gigantic folding couch things that you can like turn into a fort and everything. And they have these really cool cushions that fold up to like certain heights. And um, anyways, they're just really cool to have around to be able to, you know, you can stack them higher and then they're at an awesome height to be able to you know, cruise or stand at supported standing, um, or if you have them unstacked or just like one folded in half, then it is kind of the same height as a traditional couch cushion. But the couch cushion or nugget cushion or anything else you can think of that's kind of that height and just like a large flat surface area is really good to have around for several reasons. Um, and this is not an exhaustive list of things but um one of the big things is that if you have a baby that's working on sitting maybe you can have it next to them and um you know kind of right there in the region where their elbow can get up on it and a lot of times this will encourage more rotational movement and you might see them use it as like leverage to pull themselves up and like get into a kneeling position either like short kneeling or even tall kneeling eventually um, and that can sometimes be kind of like the booster that they need in order to get more rotation because you know rotation is a more 
advanced movement it takes more coordination um so that's why you know you see kids developmentally really getting the hang of those positions of stability before they start like turning and rotating at the trunk or reaching across midline um so anyways that's just one way that you can facilitate that and of course having the toys on top of it always helps another thing is that if you have a little one that's not even getting into sitting on their own yet a lot of times if you put a toy on top you can foster a transition from laying down either like when they're on their back in the in the um, cushion is next to them they can get an elbow on it and kind of leverage themselves up into sitting on their own um, or if they're on their belly a lot of times kids will kind of army crawl towards it but they're maybe they're not really getting quite up on their hands and knees yet into that pre-crawling quadruped position quadruped is just hands and knees um but they can like kind of scoot on their belly to where they can get their hands up on the couch cushion and then again that kind of gives some leverage so they can start to push a little bit and then You'll see them a lot of times just beautifully draw the knees up underneath them and then, you know, pull in that quadruped position. And if it sounds like I'm panting, it's because I am. If you haven't noticed, I'm recording this in my car and I've turned the air conditioner down because it's really loud because I drive a Prius and it is V-hot in here. So, um, yeah, sorry about all the heavy breathing but anyways back to the couch cushions um another thing you can do is if you have if you have a little one that is um maybe like having a hard time extending elbows to put weight through um you know their palms you can have them supported of course but on the couch cushion with their hands on the floor and even have like little toys on the ground next to them um just like tiny little things they can grasp in their hand or even like a like a flatter toy like a book or you know like those light up keyboards or whatever something they can like press their weight through if that makes sense um because then you know they uh shift their weight then onto one arm ideally in order to reach to activate a toy um so that's another good thing that you can do with the couch cushion um Bench sitting is another one whenever you have a baby that's getting closer to, you know, being ready to transition into standing and cruising. Um, you can have them sitting supported or, you know, maybe they're past that on the edge of the couch cushion and have a toy a little bit above them in order to motivate them to transition into standing and, you know, vice versa back down into that controlled squat because just like you know, us as grown-ups doing squats, um, every little transition like that is a way that you're activating all those same muscle groups in a baby, um, in order to strengthen their legs. Because obviously you can't just tell babies to go do some squats, but they have to get the practice more naturally and, you know, through functional activities like play. Lastly, or the last one that I'll go into anyways. Like I said, there are so many things that you can do with couch cushions or anything similar to a couch cushion. 
Um, but if you have a baby that's getting close to crawling on hands and knees, um, you can kind of facilitate that uh, reciprocating pattern by having them practice crawling up, climbing onto a couch cushion on the floor. Um, stairs are another good way to do this, um, but you know, not everybody has stairs in their home. Um, and you know, it's not always the most practical as far as like safety and all that, but, um, a couch cushion is a good way to get that motion of like the hip hiking up and, you know, shifting the weight to the one knee while bringing the other hip up and around. And, um, so anyways, that's another good thing that you can do and practicing turning around and crawling down off of it backwards because the earlier that you start reinforcing that pattern, you know, ideally the more quickly they'll learn to get off of furniture and, and couch cushions safely without just toppling off headfirst. So that is something else. The other thing that you probably already have around your home that can be very useful when it comes to working on motor skills is a water bottle. So just like a normal plastic water bottle um, with a lid and everything. So one thing that you can do is fill it up with a few puffs, not fill it up, but just put a few puffs in it and uh, you can put the lid on and let them kind of use it as a cause and effect toy, just kind of like a makeshift rattle. Um, you know, they shake it and they hear the sound. Beans might be better for that because they'd be louder. Um, but anyways, if you have the lid off, them being able to then learn how to take the bottle and tip it upside down, invert it so that the puffs come out of it. That's actually like a legit milestone that's like, you know, on our fine motor domains of like standard assessments and that kind of thing. Um, so like turning an object upside down to empty the contents. So that's a way that you can work on that skill without, you know, spending a bunch of money on obscure toys that let you practice that skill. Um, another thing is putting tiny little objects back inside of the top of a water bottle. Um, it's obviously a very precision um, oriented task. So being able to do the pincer grasp in order to, you know, pick it up between the thumb and index finger and then not only bring it to that tiny little lip of the water bottle, but then coordinating the release of it too. Um, that's another really big skill. And then, so you can make that activity easier or more difficult. So easier would be you holding the water bottle for them and then just like having their hands free to do whatever. But then if they are stabilizing the water bottle with the opposite hand, you know, ideally the other hand is at midline and then they're bringing the hand with the puff in it to, you know, the other hand. Um, that takes a lot more coordination. I just, that was a really complicated way of explaining a really simple idea. But um, anyways, that, that can make it more of a challenge for the kid. So being able to practice that would be good. Drinking from a water bottle is another thing that you can practice. Of course, if you have a straw, you can, you know, do that. That's a good thing to work on. I mean, even as early as seven, seven, eight months, kids can like start trying to drink out of a straw. There's like no milestone for sippy cup usage. It's just kind of like a modern invention type thing that came about, I think, in like the 70s. It's not like a 
you know, your kid has to use a sippy cup or they're doomed. Um, really, the ideal is either a straw or open cup. Open cup being the ideal ideal. But, um, yeah, practicing with straws. And then just practicing from the water bottle um, is another thing that you can do. Of course, not just handing it to them because they definitely would not be ready for that that early. But a little bit older kids, um, you know, my son is 14 months old and he can drink from a water bottle and open cove, of course, as well. That's probably a little bit easier because it's less, um, there's more room for your lips to, lips to move. But yeah, just something else to think about. The last household object I'll talk about today is a spoon. So like a large wooden spoon can be a good tool to use in quite a few different circumstances. Um, if you have a child that is just about to take off walking but is pretty hesitant to let go of support, you can try you holding on to one end of a long-handled spoon and letting them hold on to the other end. And, you know, they can kind of feel your support through the spoon um so it's kind of you know a step above just them holding on to a stable surface but um, sometimes it can work to get them walking because they they think that they're you know holding on to something super secure when really it is challenging their balance a lot more but kind of psychologically it fakes them out sometimes and of course you can um gradually fade the support that you're giving through this spoon if that makes sense that one's kind of hard to describe without you know a visual but anyways that's something you can play around with you can even use two spoons instead of one if they like bilateral hand support the other thing that you can do with spoons so you know if you have two spoons even just like metal spoons or you know whatever is having one in each hand and banging them together um, really right around six-ish months is when um, kids will learn, ideally, to like bang two toys together and play at midline and like be able to maintain a grasp on an object in each hand individually without dropping one of the objects. Because you, you'll notice like earlier on in development, babies can only hold on to one thing at a time really without dropping it. Um, if you place something in each hand, they'll like immediately drop one and then bring that other hand to the hand that's holding the toy in the opposite hand, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so learning to bang toys together is really important. A, a spoon is a easy item to grasp uh, for learning that skill, like, like to literally grasp it in their hand. It's a narrow handle and lets them get a better grip on it. And then, you know, it's fun to have the big long sticks that you <laughs> whack together. It makes a noise and they like that cause and effect, you know. Um, so that's something you can do. Another thing is like pretend play. So like mimicking you with um, stirring a spoon like in a cup, just like pretending. Or like tapping a spoon against another object or you know tapping against the side of a cup or side of a bowl um, that mimicry is another important just developmental milestone that they go through 
And that's just another way that you can kind of help facilitate that. And speaking of spoons, this has more to do with feeding, but, well, really not. It is a, a motor coordination skill, but just, you can start practicing pretty early with kids, just giving them a spoon with food on it. Um, and letting them practice bringing that to their mouths on like I definitely hate watching my kids eat if I'm being honest here because it makes such a gong of a mess Um, but developmentally it's really important that they get the practice Um, even with like purees they make those special spoons where you can kind of like hold it more vertically almost and they can bring it to their mouth without just like dumping it everywhere when they are holding it vertically, because that's what they do first, most, most often. Um, but then as they get older, you know, giving them kind of stickier foods like mashed potatoes, yogurt sometimes will work, um, and putting the food on there for them and handing it to them and letting them try to kind of stabilize it a little bit, um, in order to bring it to their mouth the right direction and with hopefully some food left on it. That's a good thing for them to practice. It really does take a lot of coordination to figure out how to bring a spoon to your mouth with it level without dumping it out, stabilizing it, and then having the proprioceptive awareness or like knowing where like all of your body parts are in space, like to know where your mouth is and where your hand is, you know, floating through the air and how to get it to the right target. It's a lot to coordinate and um, it is good for them to practice this skill early on um, so that, you know, come toddlerhood they're not behind or anything sometimes when you're just trying to get food inside of your child it is a challenge to bring the the spoon to their mouth for them because um they want to just grab it and like throw it or just wave it all around um and something that you might find helpful is just to hand them a different spoon so that they can do whatever the heck they want to with it waved around all over the place and then you have the real spoon with the food and can feed them so that's just something you can try also if uh, that's a particular challenge at mealtimes so that's all I've got for today thank you all so much for listening holler if you have any questions and we will see you next week hopefully bye bye Thank you for listening today. Subscribe to the show and leave us a review to help others find it so that they can learn more about how to raise healthy babies that turn into healthy adults. Visit NurtureHealthHome.com for our blog and to find more information about how booking an infant wellness consultation could help you and your little one bond better and meet developmental milestones. And you can also find us on the Instagram at NurtureHealthHome. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.